Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Jizz Talking for a Sunday night. We are with the one and only Samantha St. James. Samantha, you have had a long day. I've had a long day and I apologize for bringing in late, but the 95 from D.C. to Miami is not a pleasant freeway to be on on any given day, but I hit snow, rain, sleet, more rain, uh, four lanes to two, two accidents, and I'm now in Daytona, not at my house in Miami. And Darby is uh, from the uh, Florida area, and she can relate to that. Oh, yeah, 95 is awful. I mean, the only thing worse is 75. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that's true, but if you're going, I'm basing out of Cleveland because my mom's been having some health problems, so you got your choice. Go through West Virginia, pay like $19, go through the mountains, or hit the uh, turnpike through PA into D.C. or the D.C. loop, then down on 95. So always go that way because... Uh, you never know with the West Virginia thing. And I, I was all good till South Carolina, and then it was just boom. Wow. Now, uh, Samantha, did I understand you correctly? Because uh, I'm a, we're just going to kind of just jump right in. Um, did I understand you correctly that you will be at the Exotica in D.C. on the first weekend of December? Um, that's a, I'm supposed to be there, but there's two issues. One, my house, I sold it in Miami, and it's supposed to close. Uh, sometime between the 27th and the 1st. So if it closes on the 27th, yes. If it closes on the 1st, no. Um, I, ugh, I hate I hate the whole thing, but, you know, people are allowed to stay within seven days when they want to close. So I'm kind of at their mercy. Sure. Um, I'm hoping to be there. I would say it's 50-50, more on the side of not. Okay. Um, but there's really not much I can do about that. And I'm working on AVN, but... Again, I'm at the mercy of a couple of things. Uh, one, my mom's health, and two, I'm starting to do a, the, the reconstruction, the uh, Samantha St. James, uh, the artist formerly known as Meridian 2.0 uh, revamp. I'm renovating. Like a TV show, I'm, I'm going to renovate myself. Right. Uh, yeah, before my grand re-debut. So uh, I have something pending in New York on the mid-December so we'll, we'll kind of see how things go well you kind of start out the business in around 95 um I actually start this is hilarious so I'll give you kind of an exclusive because I haven't done this on video yet sure and Jim still loves you and he's like I just said Jim we're married now basically you're going to be my publicist on the red carpet because um I love him so much he uh he just reminds me of Glenn Fry but that's his nickname so I actually started um I worked for Larry Flint at LFP because Larry Flint Publications, which is LFP, he owned like 350 magazines that people don't really know about when print was a thing. And it was everything from like Golf Digest to gardening magazines to some adult, um, half the road and track and auto magazines to most of the adult magazines, except Playboy Penthouse. Oh, he didn't own Playboy Penthouse, but he owned basically everything else. Um, so I was working for two music magazines, fell into a thing where my makeup artist friend, this is funny, this is exclusive, my makeup artist friend was like, hey, you want a job on Friday working at the studio for LFP, for Larry Flint? I was like, oh my God, yeah, sure, I paid stupid money. And the model uh, did not show up, and they were like, you, you model like mainstream, and you act like mainstream, you want to do this thing, and it wasn't even nude or topless, so... It's like a comedy sketch, a little video, a little photo. And that kind of then stumbled into, hey, so what if we pay you X amount of obscene amount of money because a girl flaked on a whole trip to Mexico? Would you do a spread in Hustler? And I'm like, uh, no. And they're like, but we could pay you this much. And I went, okay. <laughs> so that, that's how it started, right? That was in the day when magazines still paid. Like, really good money. And then they've got the cover and center for the paid more. And I love Larry. So, and everybody there, and Maddie, the whole the whole team at Everyone LFP, um, Liz was actually the head of casting and, and talent at the time, which became Larry's last wife. Um, I, I love them so much. They were, like, the best people. Um, so I started in Hustler, and then it was, like, every time somebody flaked, they were like, well, you know, fans love you, and you're on time, and you're a great model, and blah, blah, blah. So I just literally started doing every magazine ever for them. 
it just it paid for college and the condo and I helped my friends and um, that's how that started. And then I got into the bondage and fetish stuff because Ken Marcus had tested me for Playboy and Penthouse. And at the time, my butt was too big and I looked too ethnic. So neither of them would even shoot me for a featurette, which is hilarious now, right? Yeah. Um, and I did a lot of bondage and fetish with Ken, which stumbled into working for a lot of the big bondage producers, fetish producers. So that's really what I did. And the only reason I ended up in porn is I had done a couple years of feature dancing on the road. And I was second or third after Janine and Amber Lynn. I was like, I was like the highest paid magazine model feature because I was athletic and actually had a real choreographed show with like crazy effects. I stopped being able to make money uh, because all the magazine girls suddenly started doing porn. So I was like, well, we don't do a couple porn. You know, we can't book you anymore. So I walked into Jim South's office, and he, the look on his face, and I have to put this in a movie treatment when I do it. It was like in slow motion. I was walking down into his office, and he was like, as I live and breathe. And he knew I was there to say, okay, let's do this. And that's how the Ed Powers and all the first timers and things came about. In actually 90, oh, I want to say the amateur things, I got my feet wet in 93 in Orlando, a couple amateur companies, because I was living in Florida with um, ex-husband number one that we would call plaintiff number one, uh, did a couple amateur things. And then later that year, so I want to say 94. I want to say this is like late 94. I did a, I ended up, I went to LA and walked into Jim's office. So we did a couple things. And then I was debuted at AVN January of 95. Okay. I posted a picture here of Jim South. So I had a chance to meet him. Oh, I love Jim so much. Jim was a motherfucker. But if you had his back and you were, straight up not on drugs did your test you were on time you're reliable you, you know we're, we're a great model you stood your ground you, if you were just on it jim had your back and uh i i will tell stories in in a book and hopefully a film version one day of of jim because he really was a, a hollywood movie character and uh most of the stories you've heard are true but he was he was just if, if you had his back and you were on your shit, like he had your back. If he went to bat for me a bunch of times. Right. Um, but yeah, he had this funny sense of humor, man. Cigarette in his mouth, gun, gun in the drawer, cowboy boots on. And uh, I remember the day I walked in there. He knew, I was gonna, he knew it was going to happen one day. And he was just waiting for me to walk in that door. Richard Pacheco is with us. Richard, how are we doing today? Great. Good to see you all. Hi, Meridian. Or Hi, how you, are you? Are you still called Meridian? Can I do that? Um, I'm not really sure. Legally, we can do that. So I'm just going to be the artist formerly known as Meridian. Okay. Yeah, only because I, nobody can find the old contracts. Well, I can't even talk about what happened with that. But, um, yeah. I, I, so that's just, I, I can't step into that because nobody's really sure exactly how long that NDA was. But let's just say I didn't leave the adult industry. I kind of got booted out for talking about, well, not talking about, I told Jim South about a producer-director who uh, was making people audition um, for parts in, a, in big films for a big company. And uh, after featuring and then co-starring in two, well, three total, he kept wanting me to come over and audition for him to read the part I'll read the part and uh i finally you know went to jim and said look man i've been in like three or four of these i'm sag i'm after you know i have a mainstream background like i'm just not i'm not going to go over there and like you know work out a scene with like i want to be talent director producer i can't really get my dick hard anyway douchebag and uh jim had someone go talk to him and then suddenly like i was featuring on the road and there was another girl named meridian and they and they had signed her to a deal, but these idiots didn't realize that I had registered and trademarked the name. So let's just say they sued me and I won. That's about as much as I can say about that. Oh. Adventures. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. He, he's not producing and directing anymore, but he's a big he's still an agent and there's still people uh, with what's left of that company producing and directing. So I'm sure they're gonna be thrilled when I show back up, but um 
Life's a bitch. Oh, <laughs> fuck them, they can't take a joke. <laughs> well, right, and that's why, you know, girls say they're afraid to speak out. I'm like, well, if you're going to speak out about something, don't be a petty bitch. Like, I don't really like this guy. I don't got kind of rough with me or all that nonsense that all the young girls do. I'm like, no. Handle it with your agent or their agent or someone in the business. You know, don't be on Twitter just, like, spewing stuff, like, vomiting up nonsense. If it's an issue, they, you talk to someone. But do your homework about people. And this is someone who there was no homework to do because you wanted to work for this company. This was the guy who was directing and producing at the time. So, um, And it was well known, but I didn't know uh, what the deal was. But now, there's ways to handle things now where there would be no repercussions. But, yeah, it was definitely the first casualty of of uh, having the balls to tell Jim South. And believe me, when Jim South had someone go talk to you about your inappropriate behavior, Jim South had someone go talk to you about it. All right. Hey, Cartrell is with us. Cartrell, go ahead and ask uh, Samantha St. James a question. Oh, yeah. You, you said oh, you thought your butt was too big, but my question I wanted to ask you is, do you think curvier women are becoming more accepted in the industry? Because I know when I was growing up as a kid, you know, it seemed like the porn companies wanted the Jenna James, you know, like super skinny type with the blonde hair. That was actually the type. So before I even got into the adult industry, when I was just doing magazines um, and even like mainstream film and TV, the thing was, sorry, my hands kill me. Um, the main thing I was doing was, you know, mainstream film and TV and magazines, right, and commercials. And because of my background, it's like, even if I'm not suntanned, I, I'm kind of ethnically ambiguous, but I'm a little like, well, is she like French with a little Spanish in her? We're not sure. So I was always too, um, I was told I was too ethnic looking. I wasn't skinny enough, although I was very, very thin. But I always had a booty, which I couldn't get rid of and people didn't like, which hilarious. Now girls pay tons of money for that. Um, and I, I was, I was too ethnic looking, which is hilarious, right? So, um, that's why I don't think I became like the star of this movie or that movie. I was like the co-star of the feature because I was a great actor and I did great scenes and I always picked who I worked with, you know, someone I'd have chemistry with, but, um, it's funny how now today it's like, you've got to have a big booty real or fake and they want girls that are like mixed race or ethnically ambiguous. When back then there was like one, two, maybe three people um, in the eighties to nineties porn range that actually were not five to 90 pounds, blue eyed blonde, no butt, like giant fake boobs. Um, and I got to tell you, Jenna was, I remember when Jenna started, I, I was in it before Jenna and, she was such, like, the sweetest, nicest, most bubbly girl. And uh, how can I say this without them suing me again? Uh, the people at that company that signed her and turned her into who she is um, definitely uh, made her someone she wasn't and kind of got her into things she shouldn't have been exposed to. But she was a very, very sweet girl. But yeah, she's very petite. And her, Caitlin Ashley, um, there was a whole plethora of people that were just very petite, blue-eyed, blonde. They made them get their boobs done big, bigger hair, bigger lips, bigger nails, but skinny, no booty. And that was definitely like the, the stamp uh, of girls, except for like a rare, I mean, uh, there was very few girls that were not like kind of that stamp the blue-eyed blonde like ideal porn um but i always did good because i was a sag after actor for mainstream and i always did good scenes and picked people i wanted to work with so i made sure that like there was chemistry and like we knew the script and like things were gonna look good on film so i made i made good decisions um which i don't think people are really allowed to do now but it's kind of what i plan on doing um in 2023 when i start doing my own stuff. Well, we certainly hope you uh, come to Exotic in Chicago. That's the one that I'll be there yes. and James will be there and Charles Oh, will be no, yeah, Chicago for sure. I just talked to Clint Works, um, who's an old friend of mine from the music industry, and Brian Gross today. And they're like, whatever you do, be ready for Exotic in Chicago. I'm like, yeah, I will. Like, yeah. all of me will be redone. Everything's going to be set. My mom will be settled. And, yeah, so Exotic in Chicago is the big one for me. I'm like I said, I'm, I'm trying to make uh, AVN, but it just depends on so many things about me moving her, if I'm getting, like, surgery one, like, what's going on with the house sale, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and I would like to be at this AVN because, from what I understand, this may be the last in-person AVN show. Yeah, there, there's a question as to whether they're going to continue the in-person shows because COVID kind of killed their, you know, their 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 uh, their, their bottom line was all in on that on that live show. So, well, Joshua's with us. Joshua, go ahead, ask a question to uh, Samantha St. James. Hi, Samantha. It's an honor to meet you. Hello. Hi. Um, my question would be, I, I, you had mentioned you were writing an autobiography and you were interested in turning that into a film. And I was just kind of curious about that. Hmm. So from the beginning of the adult industry, there were a lot of people who had mainstream uh, music careers or let's just say mainstream TV or film. But back then, and I know there's some Gen Z girls or guys that are just, woke Twitter's going to kill me about this one day, but you kind of had to live two lives, right? So I had my real name and my mainstream film, TV, modeling, all that. And when I went to do some magazines, they were like, come up with a name. I'm like, I don't know. So I just looked at a globe and went, Meridian. Um, <laughs> so that's what I came And um, because... And it's never like I was ever embarrassed. Everybody knew. Believe me, everyone in mainstream film and TV and music knew that I was living two different lives. And there were a lot of people, male and female, that either wrote, were photographers, camera people, shot, directed, whatever, for mainstream and adult. But you just, for whatever reason, and there's a couple of big uh, film directors, shall we say, that I will not name, who have a background in adult. Um, Everyone just, you know, okay, well, you just kind of had two names for whatever reason. And it was something good or bad, she just did. So my background in music is goes back to when I was in high school, when I was shooting bands and interviewing them for a music magazine uh, in Cleveland, which is where I'm from. And it's funny because there's um, the owner of one, of one of the few independent film companies still left that is not owned by MindGeek or that other company. Um, like everything else in this country, everything's been bought out by two companies, like Hustler, Penthouse, Playboy are owned by the same company that owns every big former adult film company, which is MindGeek, and that, they're a whole mess, but I won't consider that mess. Um, so, while I had two names, yeah, I, I worked in, in music from the time I was probably 14 or 15, shooting bands and interviewing them, only because the guy who owned the magazine which became a very famous uh, publication in the music industry. Um, didn't have a car, and he had figured out early that hot chicks um, would get bands to maybe want to talk to him or be interviewed by him, where normally he was just like a big geeky guy. So my friends and I were like, cool, do we get free drinks too? <laughs> so we would go out, and we were probably 14, 15, 16, 17, which... In the 80s, the drinking age was 18, so this is not weird or underage. Things in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, 90s were a little different. Um, and I started shooting bands and interviewing them, and it just kind of stumbled into my then working in L.A. when I went to college for two big music magazines, interviewing bands, shooting them for showcase reviews, and kind of launching, helping to launch the careers of a bunch of people that you definitely have bought tickets to see that were that I helped launch their careers, right? It's the best thing I can say now. Um, so there's that. And then today I talked to these independent film company owners who were like, what are you doing? Did you sell your house? Where's the, how's the book doing? What are you doing? So I've been encouraged to do a book because my whole music career is like a Cameron Crowe thing, but I was doing it younger and as a female. And then coming out of Cleveland where Rocking started and then going to Detroit and then getting to film and TV, and then my deal with New Line. So my whole mainstream life, and then just like stumbling into working for Larry, and yeah, do you want to go make eight grand and shoot for Hustler in Mexico for two weeks with your friend who's the makeup artist? And I'm like, sure. So everything was a natural progression for me, so people are really kind of interested in how did you do this, 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 and that? And I'm like, it, it's not doing it. It just kind of has always been my life. So, um, that's kind of the autobiography, and my friend had a Showtime series that was, um, <sighs> so I can't give too much away, which was kind of following their life, and people were like, why don't you pitch that, why don't you do that, your stuff is so much more interesting, so 
we'll see. I'm going to drop some hints on my Twitter uh, and my Instagram about what's going on. Because I think in December, there's a couple live events I'm going to go to where I've talked to people about, well, you know, maybe we should hint around about this. We should do a little live thing. So there's some things that are going to come up. But eventually, um, my publicist, which is weird to say that because I sound so L.A., right? My publicist. And a couple of people are, are going to drop hints as well. But yeah, so my uh, uh, my mainstream career and my adult career, like all of me, I'm gonna, it's going to converge. Like there's going to be a thing where people are going to go, oh my God, that's her uh, this year. So sure. that's why I wanted to talk to you, Richard, because you've got a couple of books and I'm just so interested in why you haven't done like a pitch for a, I don't know, a film or like something, some kind of like 70s retro throwback uh like like some kind of pitch for like a film or at least um you know showtime hbo made for a tv movie thing i've been pitching so much i need rotator cuff surgery <laughs> <laughs> well i've got a bad hip from an accident so you know we, we could like be old and talk about that um, the prob- problem is i haven't found too many catchers the day i published hindsight which was already a decade now i had a phone call that very day from a guy named Ryan Murphy, who was very hot with Glee at the time. And yeah. I, was, I was being interviewed at the time he called, or he wasn't him, it was one of his people, called me up, and I said, look, I can't talk to you right now, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in an interview, I'll call you back. And they said, no, don't call us back, we'll call you. Well, that was 10 years ago. I'm still waiting for the call. I, I don't live in L.A., and I, I didn't want to do L.A. I didn't want to be L.A. My life is in Berkeley, and I, this is where I belong. And um, I learned pretty early on, I tried to commute uh, to make a career, and it didn't work. So I chose this lifestyle I'm living in Berkeley instead of the movie life, chasing the dream there. And it's at this point, I, I think that I've written the best book ever about the adult industry. And it's just waiting there for someone to pick it up and run with the ball. And uh, I have the right. So I'm holding out for somebody who's going to do a good job with it and not just do sensational shit that's going to be here and gone. Which is kind of why I'm on here saying, so I realize, I remember that there were a couple of books that you had done and there's someone else. There was a publicist from seventies and eighties who I knew through some, charity uh, celebrity charity pet project things that i was doing and she was a publicist she was like a war bride from war to a, a, a british lady and she's got a, a a manuscript she owns a right suit called um oh, and it's it's sort of like the 70s and 80s before i came around about music and film and all the people and it, 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 the thing about it's a love-hate thing so the thing i like about now is you can actually pitch like a, a limited series like, here's a movie, but it would be better at eight episodes versus whatever that nonsense they did with the Motley Crue book. Um, anyway, there's Eileen's thing. There's what I want to do when I thought about your stuff, because I was like, well, it's kind of like the Boogie Nights, but not with the tragic ending. And Mark Wahlberg is such a fucking douchebag. Anyway, and, and I remember seeing, like, and looking, okay, so I perved your 70s stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the 70s porn star guy thing. And it's so hip right now with the must. Anyway, um, I think that there's a, I think that there's things that there's two or three projects besides yours in mind that I would like to kind of package in Showtime or HBO, but we'll talk later. But there's, okay. definitely, there's definitely like a Showtime Avengers book. Showtime did the Gigolo series, and the guy that owns Gigolos, which is what's his fucking name, uh, Garen started out as a stripper who owns a stripper agency who I used to throw my biggest stripper shows to, my meal review shows to. He got like a, a three-year deal with Showtime for stupid money. Let's just do some reality gonzo nonsense about my, you know, male stripper horse, whatever, which is where we get Quentin James, who's now the most nominated male porn star uh, from England, because he's kind of like James Bond, but, you know, the explicit version, which he's not capitalizing on anyway. But um, if they can sell that and the executive producer who sold the show is... I can't tell you who it is, but it's someone who they thought was going to be huge, and it wasn't Johnny Depp off that TV series. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, there's a lot of my old music connection and a lot of my old film and TV 
connections that are very interested in me willing to do my okay so fine i'm willing to do i'm willing to like connect my world so let's talk because the whole thing about adult it's very like not like hip and trendy but like popular if that's a word and like socially acceptable now and um, vintage, retro. I had someone in Exotica in New Jersey go, oh my god, you're like Pornstar OG. You're like the original. What'd she say? She was like, you're like vintage Pornstar. And I'm like, I don't know if I feel like a classic car or I just feel old, but she was like loving all over me and she was maybe 22 and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> um, it was very, it was interesting, but it's funny because like anything else, over time, like, people that did things places and times before, people have, like, a thirst for an interest in things that will never be again that you were involved with. Um, I just feel like the time is right for, like, people to do things or to write books or to throw out the fucking Showtime series. I, I can't explain it, but I just, I've had so many music people and mainstream film people contact me, like, so you doing that book? You're doing that thing. You're going to pitch this. Can we help you? What are we doing? I'd be like, driving here today, I talked to three people that were in the music industry back in the day, and they're like, what are you doing? Can I help you? How can I assist? Like, well, you know this person. So I kind of feel like it's the time now to kind of, like, pitch my stuff and bring people with me. Like, well, bleh, here you go. All right. Because, you know, with um, 24-7 OTT, they need to fill content. So they're pretty much... Like Showtime, HBO, Hulu. I mean, they're all Discovery. They're going to throw money at whoever and whatever can do, can fill space, right? So, but if you package it right, I don't know. I kind of haven't, like, come to the full fruition of what it can be, but, like, I, I just, I've had too many people call me in the past three days and just want me to do this, so. Let's, uh, let's switch over to uh, uh, Darby D is with us. Darby, go ahead and a uh, question for Samantha St. James. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't do it. Whatever it is, I didn't do it. <laughs> Darby was on a couple weeks ago, and so we had people ask her questions. So now it's her turn to ask a question. So um, you're, you know, revamping, revamping. I like that. Um, uh, yourself, what is, uh, what's the biggest challenge you're having with that? If it can be shared, because it sounds like there's a lot of redacted things that we have to. Mm. Um, well, I mean, it's okay. So obviously, the and I just sat here following you on all your like instas and OnlyFans and stuff too. So you know, we just which thank you. And everyone's like, do you have these ten sites and these five cam shows? I'm like, so one, I'm gonna yell, get off my fucking lawn because I'm old and I'm like, I don't, I want some. I was literally talking to five people a day, like. Find me a social media person, a content uploader, or this to that. This isn't me, right? Like, I come from a mainstream acting background, so I'm like, I've prepared, I'm going to do this, and then whatever happens, deal with it, right? So now it's like, no, but you have to be social, and you have to edit and cut and do this and that and post and hashtag and talk to people on 10 platforms. I'm like, no, that that's not – I'm trying, and I love talking to people in person and dance, but, you know, the online thing drives me fucking crazy um so revamping is two parts right so the part i can't talk about is and the reason i can't talk about it is i believe well so i believe that the Ending litigation <laughs> well yeah but i believe that expired because it's been 24 years since they pulled their shit and probably 22 since i was like oh fuck you um like you're gonna do the, okay you knew this to me, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to fight back. So, that's the issue. The issue is, um, how do I say that part? Um, so, it's not about, it's complicated. I don't mean to put you on the spot so much. But huh. I totally get with the uh, get off my lawn kid, because I used to do cam work, and I've gotten back into it. And I'm over here, I'm like, oh my gosh, trying to figure out all the different social sites. I am a Gen Xer. I can do this, but I tell you, I'm just like it. it, it no, it's very overwhelming because you're like, okay, so I don't have to be on like just Chatterbait or all these other sites because these five sponsor the different trade shows. So I should definitely be on them. What do I do? Should I just be on them, or can I be on these other people because they're competition? Fuck. 
What about these five sites there? Oh, well, XBits has this other site. I, like, it's, it's definitely overwhelming. And I, I'm, as someone who didn't grow up with, like, being on camera on social media in that respect, I get to suss that out. Um, there's people that I, like, have met that I just love and respect, like Sarah Arabic and Ray Ray, who are, have been telling me, look, you do free stuff on this site, paid on this site, fetish stuff free on this site, fetish stuff on this site, paid. There's like a whole, there's like a whole system to it. So I'm trying to suss that out. And once I figure it out, I'm just going to put it on my Twitter. Like, hey, they're doing this and it works for them and they make money and they're not kicked off. So do this. Um, all of it is just, there was a great article that I saw recently. Um, I think they retweeted it. It was Jesse Jane interviewed by GQ Magazine where she's like, no, I don't care about, like, cam stuff, these 14 sites I need to be on. This is not what I signed up to do, and this is new, but this just creates, like, the cam model of the day or the Instagram model of the day, and that's not someone who's really invested in the industry. It means you're more adult. You're just kind of there for, like, 15 minutes of being live online, and it's very well written. Um, I reposted it. But, yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at. Like, I haven't done live cam shows. I've talked to a couple people that do it who have huge followings. I'm like, great. So if you make $1,200 in four hours, uh, you just give me 600 and we'll do this, this, and that on camera, and we're good. Like, the balance, whatever you keep, and they don't really want to do that. But I'm like, but I don't really care about the rest of it, so figure it out. Um the other part is, yeah, it's not that I can't talk about the litigation part. It's just I don't want to stumble into. Uh, <sighs> there's other things that were going on at the time in the adult industry that, unfortunately, because my ex, who looked the other way while I got kicked out of the business, um, that were going on that I can't talk about because it would blow shit up. Mm. And I don't. I don't want to do that because there were definitely people with a certain company that looked the other way while very bad things were happening that were investigated, and I'll just leave it at that. And, and I don't want to get into that because I never spoke to people that wanted to talk to me about it. They never pushed it. Um, but there's definitely things that would be very, very bad. The climate in our country would not be favorable to me being forced to talk about things. So I'm just kind of like, leave that over there. Like, let the sleeping dogs lie. Just fucking leave me alone, guys. Let the sleeping dog lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the board. I'm, I'm the artist formerly known as Meridian. Let's leave it there because you don't want to have me start, you know, having a conversation about things. So I think they're all smart enough to do that, but it just sucked because my ex-girlfriend's, Ex-husband is like a huge producer director now because of his father, and uh, it's a very, very like um, what do you call it? incestuous. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was what I was kind of hearing. Yeah, it's very, it's very incestuous, and, and, and he's a big old mire of problems. He, he was always great to me, so I don't want to involve him in that. But there's definitely a couple people involved in business now again. Like myself, except they've popped up, unlike me, and they were not best to people uh, in the industry, did not have the industry's best interest at heart. Sorry, I'm drinking tea. The um, weather change is killing my voice. Um, yeah, but it, I mean, eventually it's all going to come out, and I'm fully prepared for that. And I've talked to enough, like I said, big producer, directors, mainstream and adult people. They're like, you know what, dude, this consult with an attorney and just speak your truth because, you know, you're the only person who's going to do it and you're you from back then and fuck them. So yeah. that, that's going to be the autobiography the screenplay pitch, but which is why I want to talk to Richard because there's so, between Eileen, Richard, and myself, there's like a 60s, 70s, or 70s, 80s, and 90s kind of like arc to what I want to do with Showtime or HBO and I'm, I'm telling you, there's like this thing coming together and my mom who I spoke to before I called you guys, uh, even that she was, you know, kind of like everything you've ever done, mainstream music and adult, is kind of all, like, converging. I'm like, you know, when you just shut up, it kind of does. So but there's some things going to happen, so we'll see. All right. 
Hey, James has a question for you. James, go ahead. How you doing, Samantha? Great to meet you. Hello. Hey. Um, you're saying that you're coming back now as a more revised or retooled version of um, of what you used to be. What does what are some of the biggest uh, changes that you've seen from the way that it was back then to uh, being a performer today? Um, I can tell you that one of the things is um, my original breast implants exploded and tried to kill me. So oh. I'll be, yes, I'll be getting new ones. Um, yeah, I have the mentor breast implant gummy gel. Something, something's in 2000. And was it one of those south of the border type? type? No, no. I actually had really good implants, but I was told go get new ones every 10 years because there might be an issue. Uh, okay, so I went and got new ones every 10 years. It was a whole big thing with mentor and a study at a big hospital. And I think about 2000, they think about 2012, they might have ruptured, but I didn't get really, really sick till 2015. And by 2017, um, I was, I thought I like was going to die. And it turned out, oh, no, all those health issues were because I had test implants from mentor, which are not on the market now that had ruptured and leaked into my chest cavity and were poisoning me. Oh um, so God. that's why I, that, oh that's why I had, like the big giant weird boobs. So I was like really, really sick for like five years. Um, so I will be getting them redone, but I will be doing them with a new type from uh, France, which is tested Euro like 20 years, like not going to fuck you up because like most things, uh, the European market will not uh, approve things that are not, um, tested for 20 years where the U.S. just throw it in the market for two and if it doesn't kill anybody you can keep selling it. Well, mine obviously made a lot of people sick including me. Um, so that's where the big boobs went also answers another question. Um, right. Okay. So yeah, I'm doing that that's sort of like the last thing in line. <laughs> like Clint today was like you would just throw those things into a top and whatever. So if the ass still looks good and you've got the front out, you know, you're good. Which okay. is hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, difference between then and now is things that are the same. Uh, when I was in, in the, the last part of my being 93 to 98, 99 in porn, it started out that it was like the MV80s, where if you could act and you're into what you're doing and you had chemistry, you know, they kind of test to do with people in the industry. You did a really good scene. It was very much like what, like Sweet Center and a lot of companies are doing Okay, a few companies are doing now um, where there's like a real scene. It's chemistry. You're not like fully naked with bright interrogation lights and just with your mouth hanging open, waiting for someone to stick something in it. Um, <laughs> it was very much like seventies, eighties, like a like uh, like romance novel turned porn or uh, Marcus London actually years ago said the difference between porn and mainstream film is we don't close the door we leave the door open so when there's a hot and heavy makeout scene in a, in a mainstream movie and like there's chemistry and it's palpable they close the door in a good adult film you leave the door open right. which is what 70s and 80s porn was because you got to pick who you worked with they tested you for chemistry mm -hmm. nowadays it's like okay on thursday can we fuck these two 19 year old guys and they're like five six and yeah, you know, or like look like they're twelve and all skin and bones, but they got a big dick and they're gonna be your sons. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. Thank you. No, no, no. Um, which is why I'm starting my production coming back up, and I want to do things, and why I'm going to do things that I can't talk about. But it's gonna be amazing. Um, the other difference is. <sighs> Well, well, it's kind of the same kind of... So they're testing for more things in the adult industry, but they're not... Oops. Oops. Sorry, I lost the... Uh, sorry. This is why I need a better a better footing for my uh, <laughs> phone. So they're not testing for everything they should, and they're testing for things they don't need to test for. And the only people really getting tested every two weeks are people doing um, big company... Productions and films, right? Everyone else is a cam star or a lifestyle or who's either only fans, which means, especially in Florida, they're doing, a lot of people are doing a lot of things together that are not tested, which is the best way I can put that. Um, so there's things that have shown up with Clear, 
and TBD through paths, which I've been talking to you for about a year, that are not, um, the, the results are similar to what's happening in Europe. And the there's no governing body of adult, which goes back to, which Richard would know this, me, Nina, Sharon Mitchell, a bunch of people uh, had a meeting at the Van Nuys Hangar after one of the big scares of STDs when the state of California was going to shut the industry down in mid-90s. Um, about we need like a union, we need certain pay rates, testing rates. Um, here's what you got to be tested for. You go to this type of lab, it all has to go to the central clearinghouse. Agents pay this, producers pay this. And of course, it got shot down like anything else because the big companies um, pressure the agents to not do it. It's sort of like unions in the big companies in, in corporate America, right? We don't want to have standards, we don't want to pay people we don't care if they work 12 hours a day and they get sick it's not our problem so mm. that got shut down well now um there's a bunch of weird std variants going around that <sighs> some independent labs which are actually weirdly connected to pass which is the pass through uh if you do a test it goes through pass so they give you the red light green light right it's like a do not pass go thing um Clear and Clear is in Miami and TBD is in Vegas. So they're both starting to do variant testing for, and I'm sure it's because there's some sort of weird variant government uh, sample source thing that they're getting paid for, but they're both doing weird variants of uh, SCDs that are showing up heavily in Europe and in adult population and in Miami uh, or the Florida market. Um, so I've had conversations with them both because for years, since the 90s, I'm like, we need to do these amount of tests, not these. We need to do those. We do A, B, and C. There should be a, a hazard warning for these three tests in your card. The rest should be every month. It's antibody, not current, or these are current, not antibody. But there's really no one running the show anymore. It's a weird thing because we're talking about, you know, the Free Speech Coalition and Pause, which Bill Margold started. Well, there's great people running um, the Free Speech Coalition. It's they don't really seem to have a poll that they did back in the day. It's like the Adult Talent Guild, which is appointed, and I've tried to have conversations with a couple of them, and that's and well, um, there, there's things also. I'm gonna like I said, me and my and some other people are gonna do publicly that regarding testing and running pass. Um, because my mainstream life has several advanced degrees and 14 sort of a PhD in public health, which was originally going to be in uh, media psychology, but working in politics for the past few years sucked my soul out. So long story long, I don't know what that is, but it definitely looks like someone's vagina. Hello. <laughs> What are we looking at? <laughs> I mean, because Richard can attest this. The last time Richard and I talked, they were like, well, if they tested these three variants of uh, two Elizas and one PCR and don't have HIV, we're good. And it was still like there was questions about eight, uh, hepatitis C and syphilis, and they weren't doing anything about it. Well, now we're kind of in the same place, but they're like the chlamydia, gonorrhea, and that's it. And I'm like, yeah, but people should know if the person they're working with has fucking herpes 1, 2, or uh, HCV, um, HCV, HIV, right? Yeah, and they don't. They don't They don't know. They don't care. And the last person I talked to was like, well, you're going to get both of them if you're in the industry anyway. I'm like, that is not, a, that is not an answer. That's like a, what? No. No, you do. And we should have a little, like, triangle on their card that says positive, but current uh, antibody load zero, so green. But you should know that if someone you're working with is, like, asymptomatic for HPV or herpes, which, my God, was this, like, 20 years later, nobody still wants to talk about that? Like, that drives me nuts. True. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's check in with Charles here. Charles, go ahead. Hello, Charles. Hello. Good evening. Um, I'm kind of blown away. You know, you've had such a unreal life. What I wanted to kind of ask, what do you see your time frame for your book coming out? Because that's a book I want to read. <laughs> and I'll be at a Barnes and Noble, like saying inappropriate things at, at a store near you. Um, that's fine. I, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Only in that, um, 
you know, I got, I got to tell you, I, I spent the last, since 20, um, since 2000 and let's see, I got booted out of the business around 20, uh, 1998, 1999. So around 2000, things went crazy. I, my mainstream film career was kind of like here and there. I was pushed out of adult and then I moved to Hawaii to get, um, an advanced degree or two and work for nonprofits and do a lot of charity work. And Hawaii was, is and was amazing. Um, it's one of those like sell all your shit and go find yourself kind of deals, right? So when I got back to LA, um, you know, there's always been this thing about like adult, like people I knew that were an adult. The mainstream film and TV industry and music has always been so much crossover in adult, like whether people are hiring girls to be at parties um, that were in adult, there's so much crossover. Um, and I always had the, the two lives back and forth. So people always ask me, well, God, you like work for so many bands and so much stuff in the music and film industry when you're writing a book. And I always said, you know, I don't want to write a book because I, I don't want to write a book and be dishonest. And I don't want to write a book and be honest and hurt people's lives, feelings, they have families now. Because there are some people in music and film that were really horrible people that would be in a lot of trouble right now uh, if they did the things they did then back now. So why would I talk about that? Because I'm not a Gen Zer and I don't want to be like, yeah, but you did this. And like, yeah, you should. Me too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So I'm not the person because. Who, who and what you did when you were like 18 to 28 is not anyone else's business and shut the fuck up. So I never wanted to write a book that would be dishonest. And there were people that, you know, you don't want to, there's things you don't want to talk about, but if you write a book and you sell a treatment for a film, are you going to be honest or dishonest? How much you're going to sugarcoat, you're going to like round the edges off for some people, you're not going to be fully honest about other people. Um... So it's just weird because when you just shut up and you let the universe kind of come to you, uh, it's like the last couple of days, so many people that worked in the music industry that are in adult now or own companies are like, hey, so I heard you talk to so-and-so. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? You should really do something. You should write a book. You're, you're, you're you. You did this and that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. They're like, no, if you're going to do it, you do it now. And then some things have happened recently, and I've been in Ohio with my mom. She's just been had some problems, and suddenly my friend's like, hey, do you know you're at the Rock Hall of Fame? I'm like, shit, really? And then apparently, for a period of time, I was, and because of a film I did, it's the music industry thing, and there's so much I can't even talk about, but yeah, so um, I decided to do it now because there's been, like, overwhelming, and not demand, but, like, me just kind of going, you know what? Maybe I need to normalize the fact that some women, oh my god, women, like, have had serious careers, and also had, like, serious, like, um, adult industry careers, or sexual, were sexual beings, I don't know, it was, like, paid-tested Tinder, is kind of how I got into adult, like, oh, I can fuck that guy, and he's, I'm gonna get paid, he's tested, and it's not, like, a date date, like, he's not gonna stalk me and try to kill me if I don't want to talk to him again, how I got into adult is kind of, like, how I stated it, and, um, there's just a, there's such a weird thing going on in this country about like sexuality and, and women and like birth control and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, so maybe it's the time I should just like step into it and be like the bitch on the Today Show talking about my book. Like, oh no, girl from Georgia, you just need to shut up because. So I don't know, but I, I feel like now is the time because I'm just old and it's time. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost afraid that you know you're gonna get like the whole book and like three quarters of it's gonna be redacted. You know, <laughs> with the, with the, name, the names were changed to protect the innocent. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, 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 no. If I'm going to write it, I'm going to write it. And I've already talked to a couple of people who have been involved, who were mentioned in books. How do I put this? Mm -hmm. there, there's friends of mine that were mentioned in books, but they were sort of lost over, like, oh, well, this is just a girl I knew. And I'm like, I, I posted something one day somewhere, and my friend was like, yeah, I'm not dead. And I was like, no. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh my God, because I've been playing for, yeah, okay, so she's like, oh no, I've got things to say. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to come to Vegas, and we're going to talk about this, because you're central to, like, two big rock stars books. You are. And they thought you were dead, and apparently you're not. So, 
So I kind of feel like there's a, um, a convergence of the music industry, mainstream film and TV, and the adult industry, which anybody in the 70s, 80s, I got to say in the early 90s, knew that like, because anybody that was a playmate or a penthouse girl or a really hot model in the 70s and 80s, it was definitely a richer would this. There was definitely like um, they were definitely escorting, which is another fun part that like the industry doesn't want to talk about. Like they wouldn't feel like so innocent. When I was just dating this guy, I'm like, no, you weren't dating Don Henley or Charlie Sheehan. Those were like just some of the people that always talked about it. You weren't dating. You were getting paid to date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So every time some girls like, oh my god, like. Um, What's his name? Army Hammer was like, oh, horrible. Well, this guy or that guy, I'm like, wait, so I know 10 girls that got paid to do whatever he wanted to do. So you're, you're the one girl that didn't? It's, it's this strange thing with Gen Z that, like, and whether these men are suddenly deciding they can get, like, free whores off Instagram or, <laughs> or these young girls suddenly worship them so much that they want to just do all this crazy shit for free. But they've all, I mean, Animal Bean. I mean, it's well known. Like, they've all literally been through every porn star escort for years, years and years and years. And now they're like, I'm talking to this girl on Instagram because she likes me. I'm like, no, she doesn't. It's because you have money and you're you. And can we just not talk about this? Because that's kind of what keeps, like, celebrity and a lot of relationships together is you just don't talk about the part that your wife, girlfriend, whatever, doesn't want to blow you and you're the girl that you hire does. And she's a porn star escort. Well, maybe she does a lot more than that, right? All right. Hey, let's check in with Alex, who's uh, got a question. Alex, go ahead. <clears throat> hey, Sam. It's great to meet you. Hello. Hi. So uh, my question is, who was your worst smelling uh, co-star? This is a thing I wish men knew. It's like, uh, you, you know, well, in general, in life, you should probably take a shower, like, before you're going to have sex. Not, like, the morning before, then you go to work for four hours, and then you want to do a scene or have sex, right? It, it's industry or not. Like, guys, you still don't get it. Like, you just need to, like, take a shower before you have sex. Um, you know, I, I can't even talk about that from back in the day. I can tell you, like, people that were nice or people that were too rough or trying to prove a point or just boring or weird or whatever, but we're smelling. Hmm. Well, who tried to prove a point? That, that'd be a question. Um, okay, so Peter North, Richard's going to love this. So Peter North is always known to be like, yes, I know, you can buy like a stabilizer thing. Um, so Peter, <laughs> that was hilarious. Okay, so Peter North and Rodney Moore both were like trying to prove a point because I'm shit right now. This is good lighting. Um, so I always, I'm just me, but I'm very, I'm almost five nine. Um, I've always been a curvy girl, uh, and I have a very like aggressive personality. So, but I'm like, oh, fuck, like I'm very, let's do this. Not like, okay, fuck me, I'm gonna lay here like and throw my hair, right? So. Adult doesn't seem like it was that much different than mainstream in that I always met guys that were like, or they paired me up with people they thought would just like dominate me. But the funny part about Peter North is another exclusive, and Richard's gonna love this. Um, he would Peter North would show up, and it was like fucking a mannequin, and that he was like, <laughs> I'm Peter North, I'm just gonna do my thing. I, 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 I mean, big low, and I was like, wow. I remember doing one scene, it was like, I could have been, like, knitting, or like, I don't know, doing laundry, and he was just like, uh-huh, banging away, North, and it was like, and then he would look down for the camera shot, and it was like, you know, the big load. But the, <laughs> the rest of the scene was just kind of like, banging away, like, with the sky, or whatever the fuck he was doing. Um, and you couldn't touch his hair. But that's, oh my God. So you just, okay, so you open the door so I will come to that. She kept, he said, don't touch my hair. Don't touch my hair. Don't touch my hair. Don't, don't, you don't touch my hair. And I didn't know, like, I thought it was just like, oh, don't fuck my hair up. What I didn't know is that really wasn't his hair, apparently. So 
that was the issue, but that was the whole thing, right? Don't touch my hair. So I'm trying to fuck him and do a good scene, and like it was uncomfortable because he wasn't really into it, and he was just whatever he was doing, and it was don't touch my hair. What? Don't touch my hair. Just, just, just don't touch my hair. Well, I never, I never touched his hair either. So. <laughs> well, well, right, because, you know, and, I, and I'm very like passionate. So like, if I'm really do a scene with someone, I'm gonna want to like reach up and like run my fingers to their hair and be like. Mm. And he was like, oh, don't touch my hair. I was like, what? So it was the strangest thing. All right. And we'll get back to uh, Cartrell here real quick. Cartrell, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I want to ask, um, oh, oh, was, was there any bloopers on set? Like, did anything, like, go wrong or something funny happen? Um, there was definitely times where people just had a bad day or couldn't, like, get off, and we had to do the... Um, the pina colada mix, as I call it, where people would, and there's been many, many great creations, and I, I understand there's, like, a thing you can buy now. Back in the day, it was, like, who's got the best fake jizz creation? So people would try to come up with, like, what looked like the best jizz creation if someone was having a bad day or they couldn't get off and they did too many scenes in one day. <laughs> so people would come up with, well, is it lube and water with a little coconut milk? Is it just... Uh, uh, pina colada mix. Tame so cream rinse. Tame. Tame cream rinse. Tame cream rinse. Uh, well, I don't know. Pina colada mix tasted better. Oh, tame is soap. You didn't want to put this in your mouth, but it looked like cum. <laughs> well, no. well, true, but uh, you know, coming from my perspective, they usually wanted it at least on your face, if not in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bill Markle told me the time that. Uh, that Ron drank most of a bottle of a pina colada mix. And they were all pissed off because there was no more cum to be spread around. <laughs> These I don't want to talk about Ron Jeremy. Oh. Uh, we, <laughs> we, you know, we really don't focus on that because there's no need. So. <laughs> for, for various reasons that our, our show would have a disclaimer about. Um, oh, my God. No, a pina colada mix, actually, if you missed pina colada, because I know what you're talking about. So pina colada mix. With uh, water, with the mix water, and there's another ingredient. Actually, tasted good and looked good. But yeah, the whole lube, whatever the other mixture was, looked great, but it tasted terrible. So I understand now there's some shit you can buy online that looks and tastes like cum. I don't, I don't know what that is. But um, here's the funny part that I want to talk about. So now, back in the day, and Richard would be able to talk about this. So back in the day. Um, there was no Viagra. There was no whatever that shit people are shitting their dicks up with, right? You can either get a hard on you or you do it your work. So now, apparently, which I've come to find out, there's a thing that they make every guy shoot their dick up with so there's no problems just in case. Mm. Yeah. I'm like, wait, so you're making young guys shoot their dick up with something that will give them health issues later just in case they might not get a hot on, like there's no chance of them getting a heart. What about Viagra or the uh, the Blue Chews, which is a Viagra Chew? Nope. There's so many companies that are like, we require people to now, because uh, they don't want problems, we, we, they require a lot of guys to either do the chew, do the pills, the shot for a scene. I'm like, but, so organic chemistry doesn't matter or their health doesn't matter or you're just going to make them do this because you want, like, three cum scenes because you can't shoot a fucking scene. That's a whole thing. Um, I, uh, and, I mean, need be, you can always get some, like, camera guy to, like, you know, jerk off on somebody if you have to. Just need a cum shot, right? But, yeah, the weird thing that I found now is they're making people shoot their dicks up or take a Viagra or a blue chew or two uh, before there's even an issue. And there's only several people I know of that will not do that and they're kind of not like the persona non grata right now because of the, that situation right. which is just creepy to me all right well i tell you what samantha we have enjoyed your uh your rough and tumble life through through the last uh 30 40 years anyway 30 years anyway um uh, 40 will, years dude, that would make me 75 shots. we will uh certainly welcome you back anytime we're going to have various um uh, 
uh, Exotica and AVN preview shows. And not drop the phone. <laughs> and, right. um, I would, so, I, yeah, in the future when I'm not, like, stuck in a hotel in the middle of nowhere for no reasons, yeah, I will for sure have, like, it on Zoom yeah. and I'll amazing and whatever. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, anyway, we will uh, uh, certainly welcome people to uh, view the replay at uh, jizztalking.com or on Twitter. Go to jizz at jizztalking, and uh, we will see Samantha down the road at Exotic. I can't wait to see in Chicago. And uh, we'll see everybody back here next week with our preview show to the DC Exotica and AVN coming up in 2023. Again, Samantha St. James, thank you so much for being a part of our night. Thank you for having me.